Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise Relationship Podcast. I'm your host, Yvonne. Today's show, ADHD, Anxiety and Your Body's Response to Stress, is brought to you by You Are Dynamic, LLC, the personal development company that believes in and cares about you. Thank you so much for tuning in. The purpose of my podcast is to help you notice the pattern of negative choices you continue to make that are sabotaging your life and then allowing toxic people a place in your life. You'll hear stories from the Yvonne Vault and Yvonne-isms, and I'm also famous for playing the angel's advocate by asking provoking questions to get you thinking seriously about your life so you can make adjustments along the way. What is your why behind your worry? We all have a why. And for us mama and papa bears, we just know when something is adversely affecting our cubs. No matter what, we worry and fret. But are you aware of how worrying affects your body? There's a definite connection between worry and heart disease, worry and depression worry and lupus, worry and arthritis, worry and finances, etc. You can fill in your own blanks. How is worrying affecting you? Well, my guest today, Dana Baker Williams, was directly affected by something her daughter experienced and that manifestation became a medical diagnosis, an actual diagnosis of a physical ailment was directly related to worry and anxiety in her life. Well, what did Dana do about this? Stay tuned. All right, Dana, what is the name of your company and how long have you been coaching? I've been coaching for about seven or eight years, and my company name is Parenting in Real Life. Parenting is not all that. (laughs) It's not linear. And uh, I try to give all the good, the bad, the ugly, real stuff. Real stuff, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Parenting in real time. How did you come up with the name? I was writing an article about anxiety in children. And then I was like, oh, I should do a website. And and I just thought parenting in real life because that just was what I was doing. I didn't want to hold back. I wanted to have humor. I wanted people to feel seen and understood. And I wanted it to be really natural and honest as opposed to all the other things that there are out there. <laughs> and you know, I think people do listen in more closely or they resonate more with you when you are just natural and it's organic. Absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I think it makes a huge difference. It, it also builds trust. If you say, oh, everything's wonderful, you're going to love parenting 24 hours a day for 20 years. Well, no, no, you're not. <laughs> and, and that's okay. That we are honest exactly. because that's going to come through yeah. in your tonation of your voice is going to come through in the information that you are sharing. Now, what is your why the business? My why is my daughter. Well, it's our whole family. My daughter growing up had a lot of struggles. She had a lot of tantrums. She had a lot of questions. She had a lot of what ifs. She had fears. And I was the only one 
who noticed it, something was wrong. And I had to really push at school. Everybody said, she's doing great. She's doing great. You know, my mother-in-law was saying, you're coddling her. You know, it just gets family dynamics. Yuck sometimes. So finally we got her diagnosed and she had anxiety, ADHD, a working memory issue and some depression. Well, learning that was validating and great because we could get her help. So we got our therapist, we got our medication, life-changing. But what it didn't do was give me anything as a parent. I didn't have a way of parenting her differently because I didn't know how to parent differently. And I didn't know at that point that the brain was different. And all I knew is that what we had been doing wasn't working, that something in our dynamic at home had to change. And I needed to be leading this charge because I was with the kids. And I was the one who really saw it, you know, and really felt it because mom got whatever it is. And so when I looked around and I felt alone and it was kind of, it was overwhelming. It was scary. It was insular. You didn't, you don't talk to your friends about this stuff. I mean, you do now probably a lot better than back then with mental health and everything being talked about now. But so I guess I just decided, well, this is ridiculous that I'm stuck here alone with no way of knowing what to do. I'm going to go be that person for somebody else so that other moms don't have to do this. And you said something you noticed, and I think I call it the mom sense. Other people had noticed, mm -hmm. but you knew something wasn't quite right. I absolutely knew. I knew that the tantrums, I mean, all kids have tantrums. I just knew it was different. Like I could catch the triggers. It was changes in schedules. It was too many people, you know, sensory over. Like I could just see that. And then in school, it was obvious because she'd be doing homework for hours when it was elementary school. And she was smart. So it was frustrating. And then, of course, the meltdowns at homework time, which we all get. But I could just tell there was more. And the teachers just didn't see it because we're girls and you, she has inattentive type ADHD and anxiety and you keep to yourself in your little world and you behave well and her ADHD had perfectionism. So she would sit at that homework forever and do well. And the school's like, well, she's doing too well. So she can't have accommodations or anything. And I'm like, well, so she has to fail to get accommodations. And this is middle school. And they literally said to me, I hate to say this, but honestly, yes. So yeah, sidebar, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That That's very important because it leads to a definite reason for you to begin worrying. Oh, yes. Initially, you had no idea what was going on. Of course, it's going to even cause anxiety in you, the mom. It did. Like, it what's was great. happening here? Exactly. Uh, I had an older child. I had a two-year-old son uh, and he's neurotypical and- so they were just very different. And even though he would have tantrums or things, he didn't have the same what if questions. He didn't cling. He went running into preschool. So you could tell something was different. You could tell in the educational aspect. And I could just see anxiety. She had stomach aches. She had headaches. She had all the things that indicated that, although I didn't know that because she was really little. I didn't, mm -hmm. who thinks of anxiety at three years old, right? I did not. So yes, I was very worried about her. I was worried about the family dynamic. I was worried about my son growing up with all of this tantruming. I was worried about my daughter and trying to figure out how do I figure out how to help her? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and one time I found her lying on the bathroom floor and I just lay there with her and she was crying and sad. And this is when she was older, you know, depressed. And that's, all of that is so worrying. It of just course. causes a lot of anxiety. You mentioned the word neurotypical. For the listeners who don't have a clue Sorry. as to what that means, that's okay. Tell us exactly, you know, 
in layman's terms. Yeah. <laughs> so ADHD means that you're neurodiverse, which means basically that your brain works in a different way than those people who don't have ADHD. It's just a different way of working, a way of remembering things. Can't necessarily tell what time it is because you get time blind. So it's just all sorts of things that are different and you have to address whether that be at school or at home, the kids where they are. A kid with ADHD is in a very different place than a kid who does not have it, who would be called neurotypical. Okay, and ADHD so, yeah. kids tend to be, yeah, three years behind emotionally. So that's really important too, because, you know, you're looking at your kid thinking, why are you behaving so young when you're not? Doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It's just at a different level. And just maybe for kicks and giggles, you had to figure out what was going on. So let's just say you had symptoms, like she has symptoms, yeah. but- and you know what the symptoms were, but until the diagnosis hit, then you wouldn't even know how to treat the symptoms. No. If, if you choose to give medication, which we decided to do, a lot of people want to, a lot of people don't, all good. For us, it was life-changing, like literally life-changing, giving her medication. So that was able to help her and put her in a much better place. I mean, it doesn't cure anything, but you know, it just gets you in a better place. That it was life-changing. It was having the medication it really were there was. side effects yeah there so she lost her appetite in the beginning with the Adderall which she took the Zoloft was an anti-anxiety medicine did not seem to have side effects made her a little sleepy maybe but she took it at night so she was lucky I, after a few months of trying she was okay and she didn't need to change anything for then because there weren't bad side effects I mean other than the not eating not being hungry or stomach ache but that, that faded in a couple months. So her, her system got acclimated to it. Yeah. And then once you were able to treat with medication, was it easier for you with your anxiety or your worry? Or did it just change direction kind of? So it definitely helped my worry because I knew, you know, when you have a label... <laughs> For whatever reason, that makes it feel more comfortable. So I was like, okay, I know what's wrong, quote unquote, with her. And now she's in a much better place. So she can handle changes better. She can not have tantrums as much. You know, she was able to handle and I could teach her coping skills and things. My worry didn't change for myself because I wanted to make sure I parented in a good way and that I got her settled and the family settled. And that I set her up to thrive, even with these issues that she has. So I wanted to put up the scaffolding. I wanted to support her. I wanted to do all these things that I didn't know how to do because she didn't come with a little manual. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the manual of my son, who I, you know, guinea, guinea pigged for the first couple of years because <laughs> he came first. He was totally different. So that didn't help me either. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, how did it affect? affect your body did you have any changes in yeah 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 so and it's interesting because I did have a lot of body symptoms and I got diagnosed with lupus so yeah so anxiety hits in so many different places in your body right so you've got the difficulty concentrating you know when, when I my brain is going like this and I want to be thinking of a million different things it's hard to concentrate because you're going into all the different places I had a lot of guilt a lot of guilt, a lot of negative thought patterns, right? The inner critic rah, 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 saying, 
you know, why didn't you get to this faster? You knew it was something going on. Why did you listen to everybody? You're late to the party, all of those types of things. And then there's the moods. You're grambling between all these people's different personalities and feeling guilty and still having to be in charge of everything. Right. And I was still, and I was working as well. So I was traveling and working. Oh my goodness. You have digestive issues, you have muscle tension. I always carry it in my neck and shoulders. My earlobes are never up higher than my shoulders. They're always together. So all of that, you know, you can really feel it. It's emotional, it's mental, it's physical. Mm-hmm. Stress can just take exactly. over. And that worry becomes bigger and bigger. Then it gets to that point where you you really need to find help for coping skills. And how do you learn to breathe? You know, things like that. And we don't think about those things, Dana while we're going through it and we're tasked with being the parent but not only that but being the parent who has to figure things out yeah i'm a lifelong learner thank god and i love to research but oh my gosh it was <laughs> right you know it is time consuming and you're adding everything in a, a lunchbox here a homework here a husband here <laughs> exactly exactly and your son was he affected in any way by the family dynamic going through this whole thing? Your daughter, but then the lupus sure. diagnosis? Sure. they were. I mean, we were all affected. Well, the lupus diagnosis for sure affected everyone because it changed how I could parent physically, right? I couldn't, when I couldn't walk, I couldn't cut my meat, things like that. You know, the poor lupus. Tyler would push me around in a chair on wheels, not a wheelchair, just my work chair on wheels to make it sort of fun as opposed to being scary to him, right? Um, I had to change that how to was play. his coping, right? His coping. Yeah, his coping. For people who don't know what lupus is. Mm-hmm. It's an autoimmune disease that basically your body becomes allergic to itself. So for mm. instance, I have had both my appendix and my gallbladder out. I've had several operations. And I had a period of time where I really couldn't couldn't do a lot. And it was, it was really real disability. I had to stop working. And honestly, that was a good thing for me because it wasn't great, but, but it did enable me to be home with the kids and I was able to push through there. So that was really good. But yeah, I think my son, I think how he responds to people, his, he's not very confrontational. Mm -hmm. He's very steady. Mm -hmm. He knows who he is. He's always known who he is and kept with that, which is great. But sure, I think that was a big, everybody was fighting. It was awful for a while. Not forever, but for a while while we were figuring it out. Adjustments, adjustment period, and everybody adjusts in their own way. Exactly. Their relationship shifted for a while. You know, I'm sure he wasn't eager to bring his friends home if she was having a mood or whatever. So I, I, I do think there was a lot there. And that's just what happens. There's no something we could have done differently. We did everything we could do at the time with what we knew. Let's put a pin in that right there. That's a very important point. You do the best you can at the time. Mm-hmm. So when you go back and blame yourself, when you look down the road and go, oh, I should have done this different or mm-hmm. that better. And then you have to stop and give yourself some grace. I'm not that good at that, but I'm very good at telling other moms to do that. <laughs> you are not, but you got better, right? As the years progress. I think I've gotten, you know, and in some ways, my, my daughter's doing great. She graduated from college, cum laude, magna cum laude, got a job. So, so she's great. My son's in the city thriving. So we, we got through it and I kind of have now have this new career. I'm writing a book. And um, you're going to tell us about it, right? 
Well, I don't, I don't have it yet, but I'm start. I've started it. Sure. So from your experience, now you're able to take that, run a business, and now you're going to become an authoress, as I like to call us authoresses. Like a lioness, but different. <laughs> <laughs> but you were able, even throughout all of this, to make it through the worry or process or uh, other words I, I like to use for worry is stress. Mm -hmm. and it's a a huge one that affected your body and I don't think we realize that the stress or that the anxiety I don't think we understand how that affects our bodies no I mean you don't think about the physical effects you realize you're tired you realize you're stressed out so maybe you're short or moody or whatever but the things like your increased heart rate cortisol Mm -hmm. that goes shooting in your body, which is not good for your body, right? You don't want all that. There's increased risk of heart disease, strokes, all of these things can come a huge amount of worry or stress. Mm -hmm. You don't think about that at the time. Yeah. You just move. You just keep moving forward, taking the next step. Just keep going. What are some tried and true solutions that you've come across for worry? And share with us about the content or contents of your book. So my book is going to be about raising a child with ADHD and anxiety. There are a lot of books out there on that. I really want mine to come from an angle that I haven't seen yet, which is from that family dynamic. From the, everybody thinks of executive functioning as, oh my God, my kid's not going to pass. They're not going to get through school. They're not, you know, all of that academics, right? Which are important. But you know what they don't tell you about? They don't tell you about the emotional part. So there is a huge piece of executive function that is emotional. So you can't regulate your moods. You're emotionally dysregulated. You feel everything so much more. So something that would be small for me and I'd be like, oh, this sucks. She'd be like, and that's just true. And, And they feel everything much bigger. They get a lot more negativity thrown at them because of their, whether it's impulsivity, you know, whatever their issues are. So negativity is coming all the time at them, which, which hurts the self-esteem. And so it's a vicious cycle. And I feel that that's a lens that I certainly didn't know about. Like it didn't, it didn't come up in any of the diagnoses or anything. It doesn't talk about that stuff. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't know. And everything I've read, all the books I've read, also don't really talk about that. That's not the thrust. And I kind of want to say, hey, this is a big piece. So there is all of this, and I'll talk about it. But there's also this other piece that is really hard to grapple with. And it is hard to teach coping skills. And it is hard to understand and stay calm when somebody's constantly having, whether it's a fit or some kids get really angry and defiant, you know, there's all sorts of things. I just feel it's really important because if you set expectations, like Mm -hmm. I just think in our lives that when you have expectations that are real and realistic, you can handle it so much better. If you know this is coming, I can stay calm. If I know that She's having a fit because of this issue in her brain. I'm not going to get mad at that. I'm going to have more compassion. I'm going to have more patience. I'm going to be able to lessen my stress so that my functions don't get all crazy. And I can stay calm because you want to stay calm when other people can't. So education, I believe, is so vital in whatever area that you find yourself having to gain character in. Yes. (laughs) Perseverance. Resilience is <laughs> that I teach now. Now, you didn't have that when you were being faced with it. So it sounds like you now want to give it 
to somebody who's maybe right in the beginning, don't they don't have a clue as to yeah. what's happening. They get mm -hmm. this diagnosis, they're completely overwhelmed, or they don't have a diagnosis, and they don't right. know whether it's important to get a diagnosis. The whole listen to your gut, no matter what, you know your kid better than anyone else does, and try to remember that and try to honor that. So you are, and, and we're mama bears, you know, so we're yeah. going to do... <laughs> everything we possibly can, despite what other people are telling us we shouldn't be doing or that, no, you know, I don't understand what you're talking about. Right. I don't this see that at all. <laughs> exactly. But you see it. Mm -hmm. I believe that's awesome that you're going to become an advocate or you mm -hmm. already are an advocate, but through your book, you will have be the advocate for the people who, like you said, don't have a diagnosis. The people who see something's going on, they can't put their finger on it. Mm -hmm. But education is so vital. So I applaud you for doing this. Yeah, education is so think important. You, it is. When do you think you might be published? What's your target date? I don't have one yet. I'm I'm targeting myself to write. I've written quite a bit now, but every day I come up with more things. And since I'm running sure. my business, I don't have time to write. So I'm running into a catch-22. I still... <laughs> fall, maybe? In the fall. Okay. But and, I'll and let you know when it comes out. That would be great. That would be great. And so in your business that you have now, mm -hmm. you will be able to take some of that information, practical, put it in mm -hmm. your book. Absolutely. So what are, what are some practical things in, in this last, I don't know, 10 minutes? What are some practical things that even younger parents maybe could do or... Yeah, someone just starting out. I find one of the important things if you're really worried or you get stressed out and concerned is to identify your triggers, right? So what is triggering you? What is causing you to get that upset? And that can be a, it can be a person. It can be a time of day. For some reason, five o'clock is just the witching hour with young kids sometimes. And what am I going to do? So you as a parent also have those triggers. Maybe it's a screaming child. Maybe it's the fact that you're worried. Once you know your triggers and can kind of start writing them down and tracking them a little bit, here's when I got really worried or here's when I got angry or here's where I had a bad reaction. You can identify them and then you can learn coping skills for them. So that might be meditation. You know, mm -hmm. there's a great app. There's a million great apps, but I use one called Calm. Another thing you could do is I'm big into reframing reframe your thoughts. So challenge your thoughts. You know, if you're thinking of all these catastrophes, like my daughter's never going to go to high school or mm -hmm. college or whatever. Well, okay. Is that possible? Maybe. Is it probable? Do you have a reason to know that that's true? Do you know that what you're thinking is true? Do you have reason to think that it might not be true? Are there other options out there? So if you're questioning something or you're afraid to get on an airplane or whatever it is, you can reframe your thoughts and say, okay, maybe my plane is going to crash, but chances are A, not, and B, there are other things that could be happening. Or for kids with friends, they didn't say hi when you passed by. Does that mean they hate you? Probably not. It could mean that they're busy, they didn't see you, all sorts of things. So reframe, challenge your thoughts, don't believe everything you think, because sometimes it lies to you. Sometimes worry and yes. anxiety lie to you, because they're trying to keep you safe. And you know, that's a part of the brain. What part of the brain is tries to keep us safe? It's not the amygdala. I forget no, I think which. It's the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus. Okay. Hi okay. Hypothalamus tries to keep us okay. safe. And it's automatic. So it's nothing that you really are doing. It's automatic. Right. 
And so you challenge that thought. Is the world going to end tomorrow? Well, <laughs> you challenge that thought. Oh my goodness. If the world's going to end tomorrow, what am I, what am I doing? And body starts reacting exactly. and your thought is, okay, let's reframe that, that thought. Yeah. Let's reframe. Let's question the thought, see if it's true. And one of the things it's also true for your inner critic, what I call my inner critic person that's telling you, oh, you should have done more. You should have been faster. You should have been better, blah, blah, blah. I, I work with my clients to also find a way to put that aside. Be mm-hmm. back to it. Thanks. Because that also comes to keep you safe sometimes. And it's like, okay, thanks. But I've got this. Yes, I acknowledge that this might make me nervous. It's okay. I can do it. And finding a way to calm yourself by using these little tricks. Or, you know, some people use a certain time of day and they give themselves 10 minutes for worry time. Pick a time, write it all out if you want, and then you're done with it. That's amazing. You know, that's something seemingly simple to do. Very seemingly simple. But it's it's so simple. I'm going to give myself two minutes. And then I'm done with that. And in fact, for people with anxiety or big worry, I do suggest at night, write everything down that you're worried about. Put it in a box, light it on fire, put it in another room, but get it out of your bedroom where you're going to sleep. And it really works. It's the simplest thing. And it sounds ridiculous, (laughs) but it works. But it doesn't. It doesn't in that if you are, you don't even have to be a journaler to do that. No, but what you're doing is you're, I am a visual, a visual person. So I visualize, okay, taking all this stuff that's in my brain that I'm worried about, opening up the top of my head and dumping it out on paper, just writing it down, writing it down. Now it's out of my head somewhere else Hmm? and I can breathe now. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's so great. And that's it. These are small things to do, but they can really help you do exactly that. Be able to catch your breath and get your nervous system calm to a to a place of relaxation or at least not crazy high stress worry cortisol craziness you know you know i find that too that's a good one too a lot of times when we're stressed and worried we're not breathing Sometimes we for, we're forgetting to breathe yes. or we do the opposite you know, we right. start right. You hyperventilate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So breathing, I think breathing is, it is the quickest way to calm your nervous system. You take three, I mean, there are lots of different types of breathing that I suggest to people, but three really deep breaths. Even if I'm out of sort, it calms me enough to bring me back to the room, back to where I am and to try and be, okay, Dana. Yeah. You have a lot on your plate, but you can do it. Or if it doesn't all get done, it doesn't all get done on time, right? I mean, there, you got to gotta find ways to think, especially if you're a perfectionist, that sometimes done is better than perfect. <laughs> exactly. And those are some really good, good practical tips from someone who has been there and done that. I like Still to say it. Still doing it so Still much worried. so that you can, but you have your business going where you can help others yeah. Uh, from what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. So I know it. And I think that's comforting to people. When, when I do find my clients, I do think the fact that I've been through it and going through it um, helps. And I hope it helps because I, I want my clients or my readers, because I also write articles, I want them to feel seen and understood and, and held, right? That they have space for all these feelings that they're feeling. And all these worries that they're having. And so if knowing that someone else has done it already 
and has come to the other side and, you know, has some success with family now and everybody's okay. I can tell parents that I'm like, you know, I know how horrible this is. You know, moms are crying on the phone. Like, I know, but you know what? You're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm going to give you a path and you're going to be okay. And the best part about it, uh, there are things and tips that you have given us that are free. They are free. Don't I have, have a lot to of that. And pay a, a gazillion dollars to remember to breathe. Yes. Those are some yeah. practical tips. I have, I have a blog you. on my website. I have a blog on no. my website with a lot of this stuff. If anybody yeah. wants free, it's all there. Absolutely. <laughs> and that, I'm going to list that in the show notes too. A link, your links will be listed in the show notes. Oh, so listeners, I'm I'm asking you to, after you finish listening here, to <laughs> check out the links in the show notes. And then one last thing I want to find out. For people who none of this seems to work for. Have you come across any of anyone like that? I have a parent right now who is struggling to do the homework that I ask them to do because it's uncomfortable, right? So, so part of what I do in my sessions with people is I end with a, a small homework, homework assignment something for them to try at home and see if it gets better. That could be taking 10 minutes to themselves every day just for themselves. It could be writing down their worries at night. I mean, there's a million different things. And some of it is if you're trying to connect, because my, my main point of all this is wanting to get the parents and the kids in a place that isn't power struggles and angry and a downward spiral where we can support our kids and give them confidence and still stay calm and feel good about that connection. Like that's the most important piece um, because that connection is going to be forever. And as they get older, it's even more important, right? High school, college, all that stuff's really important. So uh, I have a lot of different things that I do. I haven't found anyone. This is the first person who is still struggling after several weeks to try something. So we're, we're, we're revamping a little bit. Um, but no, with the, with the parents, I've had great luck because they can change and they want to change. They want things to improve. The kids themselves who I work with, that's harder. Mm-hmm. You know, an ADHD 13 or 16-year-old, a lot harder to get to try things and to bring on those new habits, which is why exactly. I like to start with parents because then, then they have their home life in a place that can hold the child. And then I can work with the child but that takes longer. So that, that I have had, you know, that's a struggle sometimes. It's a struggle sometimes, but then uh, once you, you gave, you gave us some practical tips, but then they'll definitely want to work with you so that you can help them get their coping skills regulated. Yes. It's the piece the parents really have to get themselves regulated, which is hard to do when your kid's not regulated. (laughs) Right. You know, yes. and then if kids, kids, if your kids are stressing or worried, there are things you can do like a worry box, you know, put a little box together with things that make them feel comforted so that when they're mm-hmm. worried, you know, they have somewhere to go to. You can teach them to visualize like a superhero attacking whatever their worry is. So there are things you can do no matter, you know, what age group that can be quick and free and try them because they work. 
Absolutely. And you have to start somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> you Anywhere have to start <laughs> Do you have any closing thoughts or insights, Dana? Um, Something you just really want to drive home, maybe. I think what I really, what's really important to me is the connection. To always think of the connection and the kid first before all uh, you get caught up in all of the other stuff. And, and with worry, you have to validate. That is a word I haven't used yet. And I use that all the time. Validate. That doesn't mean agree with your child that, yes, the airplane's going to crash. No. It's, I understand you're scared because I'm getting on this airplane and you're worried it might crash. Totally different. But you're seeing your child and you're meeting them where they are. And that's really the most important piece of parenting. You've got to start where they are. Because if your expectations are different, or if you say to that child who's worried about it, oh, it's fine. You know, don't worry about it. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. Now stop, stop whining. Stop this. Then they don't stop feeling those things. They just stop telling you about them, which doesn't help you at all as they grow older. It you know, doesn't so give that communication. Listen to what listen. they're saying and how they're feeling and validate it. Mm -hmm. Speak less, listen more. And and I love this uh, what they they teach us in classes. So God gave us two ears and one mouth. So He did it for. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. I actually haven't heard that before. I love that. <laughs> mm. Well, it has been my pleasure. Oh, to speak too. with you today, Dana, and, and just giving us these little, I like to call them nuggets, golden nuggets, mm -hmm. to help people to work through anxiety and stress. I have a friend whose mom passed away from stress. I mean, that was listed on her death certificate. Cause of death, stress. And it blew my mind when she told me about that. Please, don't let that be you. Don't let what's stressing you out in your life become a physical, medically diagnosis. It's so important. There's so much that you have to live for. So thanks again for being a regular listener to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise Relationship Podcast. And I'm inviting you this is your special invitation to tune back in daily. Go through my content list to get educated about everyday life issues. After all, we all want to have a healthy, wealthy, and wise relationship. But it starts with the relationship you have with yourself. I want to give a shout out to my listeners all around the world. And remember to subscribe and tell a friend about the podcast so we can get the word out and you're notified when a new episode is posted. You can also go back to the archives and listen through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podvine, Listen Notes. And there's also a WordPress blog under the same heading, Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise Relationships. Also, it's so important that I hear from you so please reach out to me at yvonnetheauthor at gmail.com, of which I will list in the show notes. And until we meet again, I want you to always remember that you are dynamic. Why? 
Because despite everything you've been through, everything, you're still here. Mm 